Hello everyone and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host Therese Therese and y'all know how we do it. I'm going to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. However, before we get started, I wanted to try centering ourselves. If you are feeling like I'm feeling, it has been a very stressful week for so many reasons. I've ran out of ways to name them. (laughs) However, let's try this together. So on the count of three, I would like for you to breathe in and then breathe out. One, two, three. And again, one, two, three. And one more time, one, two, three. If you were driving, I hope you did not close your eyes. If you are sitting still, that would be the perfect model and this is called centering yourself allowing the negative to go out so that the positive can come in allowing the stress to go out so that the positive can come in and it is also a form of self-love so whenever you feel as if so much is happening So many things are tossing you to and fro. You can't think straight. Then just begin to center yourself by sitting still and breathing in and breathing out. You count it. It could be 10 counts. It could be five counts. It could be three counts. It's up to you. But it's a great way for you to practice a small token of self-love. So I will now resume the podcast, but I hope that helped at least one person. And the name of this poem, I guess another reason why I wanted us to center ourselves is because I've been peeling back the layers. And as I peel back the layers and go over some of these poems that I wrote, it tends to remind me of what I've gone through. But it also reminds me of what I've overcome. And for that, I am eternally grateful So I'm going to give you a peek into my past. The name of this poem is called Perfect Peace. Sometimes it's very hard for me to find that perfect inner peace, especially when I've been abused mentally, physically, and verbally. People's promises don't mean a thing when inside I'm suffering called vulgar names while so very young, a bitch, a whore, and a slut were some. Not quite clear what he did this for, but I was someone he obviously didn't adore, hoping that everything would eventually subside. I lived in fear and cried most nights. I felt like he really hated me, wondering how I became his enemy. In my presence, 
he couldn't stand me. His rejection hurt me deeply. I thought I had a high tolerance for pain until a tumor showed up in my brain. Then I could no longer hide behind the smiles. I had to address the deep pain that I felt, own up to it and try to figure things out to make peace with my past so that my anger would not last. For years, I kept the hurt bottled up within, eventually seeking affection from men. Let me say that again. For years, I kept the hurt bottled up within, eventually seeking affection from men. I unknowingly wanted approval from them, but I gave up that hope in the end, realizing that perfect peace would never come from him or them. And so let's talk about that. Let's unpack this for a moment. I remember having a conversation with my children and telling them in their latter years that they ended up being unconsciously collateral damage. And I was looking for love in all the wrong places and all the wrong men seeking approval from the wrong people. And my children suffered because of that. See, the attention that I could have been pouring into them, because I lacked in that area, I could not give them that attention. And so I didn't know at the time, had no idea, truth be told, that part of the reason why I was looking for love in all the wrong places is because I had never received the type of love that was necessary for me to be able to distinguish the right from the wrong in terms of relationships, in terms of the right way to be loved instead of versus the wrong way to be loved. And in a lot of ways, how I was treated, it formed an opinion, an an unconscious opinion that I deserved to be treated that way, which later on I found out was a lie from the pits of hell. But in the process of me going through some of the choices that I made, it was a learned behavior that I couldn't shake. And so from one bad relationship to the next, one abuse or verbally abusive, physically abusive relationship to the next, that kind of was my testimony for some years. And looking back, there's nothing I can do to rectify that because the past is the past. I get it. However, Once I became consciously aware of what had happened and how the abuse had formed my decision making, I had to start unpacking all of that and I had to reprogram myself to learn how to be loved the right way so that whenever being loved the wrong way or being liked the wrong way showed up, I could debunk the lie. I could reject the lie. But as long as I was believing the false belief system and believing that that was the best I could get, that was the best way I could be treated, then I kept falling for the wrong people. And then as I look back, I remember having a conversation with a young lady and she said that she had told a young guy, she said, oh, I love you. And he was like, 
why? She said she sat with that for a minute and she was like, y'all, I could not tell him the why. And it pushed me to share with them. Now, see, I didn't know I was going to talk about this. <laughs> so now I got to find it. Um, so let me see if I can find it. There's a scripture that I shared with them and I told them just a little bit. Um, but there's, I'm going somewhere with this because this is something that I had to learn. And I'll never forget. So let me give a little history. There was a young man who a dear friend of mine used to call him my kryptonite. And I had gone out of town with him for a weekend. And the way that he treated me, I was like in disbelief. Because over the phone, he told me he loved me. He did all the right things for the most part. But that particular weekend, when we went away together, it's like he only wanted me for sex. And so after that was done, I was just, it was like I was nobody. And I just thought that was weird. And I remember taking him back to an apartment that he was living in. And he had told me before we went on the trip, but see, this is what happens when you just want what you want when you want it, even when it's wrong. Because he told me that he had moved in with a female and yet I still went on a trip with him. And so looking back, his loyalty was to the woman he was living with. But because we had shared a past together, I was under the impression that his loyalty was with me because he had gone to so much, so many extremes just to see me. I was under the impression that his loyalty was with me and I deceived myself. So fast forward, fast forward, I ended up going to, I was heading home because we lived out of town from each other. I was heading home. And I was so tired from the drive from Oklahoma to Dallas that by the time I got to Dallas and had uh, some words with him, um, it was hard for me to make it to Longview where I resided at the time. And so something said, which I know was the Holy Spirit, you need to go ahead and find you a hotel in Terrell, Texas. So I was like, okay, you know, I did it. So as I'm unpacking and just trying to process how the weekend had gone, I hear so clearly, you're, you know, we're going to talk about this, right? And I knew it was God. I didn't want to acknowledge it, but I knew it was God. And so I ignored him <laughs> when it took a shower. I was just trying everything to ignore him. And right when I got ready to lay down to go to bed, he said, you know, we're going to talk about this, right? And I was like, okay, let's talk about it. And he said, Part of the reason why you're under the impression that this is love is because you've never had a standard. You've never been given a standard. So because I love you the way I love you, I think it's time that you see what a standard of love looks like. And he told me to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And for those of you that are familiar 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And that was verses four through eight, A. And so I read that scripture. He told me to read it out loud. So then I read it out loud. Tears falling down my eyes. Whew. And so after I read it the second time, he told me to read it a third time. But this time he gave me more specific instructions. And he said, now what I want you to do is see if you can put his name everywhere it describes what love does. Is he patient with you? Is he kind to you? Is he envious or not? Does he boast? Is he not proud? And on and on. Does he keep account of your wrongs? Does he delight in evil? Because if he does, that's not love. Does he protect you? Can you trust him? And then the next instructions. So the first instructions he gave me was to put his name concerning how he loved me. The next instructions were to put my name on how I loved him. And it didn't take me long to recognize that what I had labeled love was actually lust. It had nothing to do with love. Now, I wish that I would have had this conversation with God way before I lost my virginity. I wish because I would have been able to avoid so much heartache. But he wondered, the young man, because shortly after that, once I saw that it was apparent that he did not love me. And it was apparent that I really didn't love him. I asked God to sever the soul tie and God did it that night. So then fast forward a few days go by. I get a phone call. He's asking me, how am I doing? My whole attitude shifted because now I know you're not my husband. <laughs> so now that I know that you're not my husband and now that I realize that you've been wasting my time. I just have a different way of approaching whatever it was, our situationship. And so I was very short with him. And we maintained our acquaintance with each other, never sexual again. And so a few years passed by and we are out to eat. We go to, it was Chick-fil-A, we went out to eat. So we're at this restaurant. And now, because the soul tie, you know, it's, it, I'm all over him and all of that. So <laughs> we're sitting at the table 
and he's flirting with the young lady in the restaurant. And I chuckled. I laughed so hard. And he looked at me. He was like, why are you laughing? I said, I'm so glad where I was once blind. Now I can see you. That'll be her headache if she decides to go forward with this. And so he kind of chuckled. And then he said, let me ask you something. And I said, well, he said, how did you get over me? See, there are some people where they're, they're, they can be so arrogant. What is that one song? You're so vain. You probably think this song is about you. There are some people that can be so vain, so arrogant that they believe it's all about them. And so he couldn't for the life of him understand how it was that I had fallen out of lust with him. And I went on to tell him about the revelation God gave me. And he was like, wow, that is really powerful. And I'm like, I know because it worked. The moment that I recognized that you were not my husband, it's like God delivered me from everything connected to you. I mean, I asked him to, but at the same time, it just, it was an amazing feeling not to be so entangled in that form of bondage to where I could not see the forest for the trees. My friends kept telling me all the signs that they saw and I was ignoring them because I was so in lust. It was ridiculous. I'm so, so glad that I can talk about it now on the opposite end of that entire situation. However, I wanted to encourage someone because sometimes we can see what we don't want to see. So we pretend that it's not there anyway. And then we're beating ourselves up after the very thing that we saw. It becomes apparent that that is what we saw. And so although I know a lot of things that people go through is for us to learn a greater lesson. A lot of things that we experience is for us to become better people. And a lot of choices that we make are just because we want to make them. Whether right, whether they're wrong, we just want to do what we want to do. Now, even in that, there's always going to be a consequence. And so I literally learned a valuable lesson. Now, Fast forward, I have not applied that in every relationship since. Um, I probably should have, but I didn't. It was just that particular situation that he showed me. I probably should use that, you know, as my my point, but I haven't. So there have been relationships that I still pro proceeded in without taking the time out to do that, to check it and to see if, you know, it was even a, a possibility that I would ever love a person to that point. But I believe that the lesson was given to me because God wanted to show me that he's the standard and that I should really strive to be with someone that fears him, that has a right relationship with him, that wants to honor me and does not find pleasure in disrespecting me and doesn't find pleasure in joking about it later as if it's okay and views me as the gift that I am. I believe he wanted to show me that so that I could start to set a brand new standard and not fall for the tricks of the enemy. I hope this has encouraged you. 
this is going to conclude my podcast for tonight. However, y'all know how I do it. I got to read a letter to my future hubby. So here it goes. Dear future hubby, let me take a moment before I get started to say thank you. I'm sure by the time your eyes are viewing this letter, you'll ask me for what? Well, let me tell you why. For being my reason, the reason why I continue to write, why I found my voice. What you don't know is that whether it is ever done intentionally or unintentionally, sometimes those closest to us, oh, sometimes those closest to you can begin to make you feel like you have absolutely nothing relevant to say. So they begin to tune you out. But writing you has redirected my focus. Side note. I'm not reading the letter right now. Y'all, I write in cursive. <laughs> so sometimes, because I write it so fast, when I get to reread it, I'm just like, what is that word? I can't even read it. So when he does finally get this... <laughs> I'm probably gonna have to be sitting right next to him talking about okay so that's what this that's what that word is <laughs> okay i digress um <laughs> so whenever if y'all are wondering like what is taking her so long well like why is she hesitating because honey i done wrote this so quickly i don't even know what i wrote <laughs> okay so let me let me go back <laughs> let me go back Whew. okay um So the reason why I continue to write, why I found my voice, what you don't know is that whether it is ever done intentionally or unintentionally, sometimes those closest to you can begin to make you feel like you have absolutely nothing relevant to say. So they begin to tune you out. But writing you has redirected my focus. I found another reason to use my voice. I found another reason why unpacking the baggage of my past is so necessary. I found a new reason why it's important not to rush the process of healing. There is truly a lesson in every storm if we sit still long enough to learn it. Wow. My pen just ran out of ink. (laughs) If you... Uh, wonder why this letter is written in both blue and black but I will not be moved thank you my king now back to the subject at hand I didn't realize how one how our souls can operate in autopilot if we don't remain consciously aware of our surroundings on a daily basis and or if we get so much into a routine that we don't take a moment to exhale the cares of this world and inhale all of the beauty that makes life worth living. It's easy to let things pass us by. Well, all of this being still while healing has opened up new awareness for me. In fact, I found myself discussing my last podcast episode with my mom. I wish you would have been on the call. She and I talked in depth about what dating looked like when she was single and what it looks like for me as a single person now. As she and I were conversing, she brought up my little brother's biological father. I put on my private investigator's hat and I um, wasn't long, it wasn't long after that 
that I located a photo of his biological father on Facebook. I sent it to my mom while she was in mid-sentence and asked her, Mom, I just sent you a photo. Is that his dad? I asked. She paused, waited for the photo to come through, and gasped. Yes, that's him. Then she began to ask me, how did you locate him so quickly? You can think what you want about social media. There have been many times that I have used social media to my advantage, but I digress. I went on to explain to her that the first time I looked looked him up years prior, I didn't consider the various ways you could spell his name. I only tried looking him up one way. This time, I guess the stars were aligned and God was guiding me because there he was. And now, of course, more research was required. But long story short, I believe in my being. I believe that my being still praying often and truly being sensitive, more sensitive than I have been in months to the unction of the Holy Spirit. That this is why I was able to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit and find my little brother's biological father, as well as his relatives' names and a couple of contact numbers and photos. I passed this information on to my mother and I noticed my little and I notified my little brother. He cracked a joke like he often does. Huh, he may never go down that road of reconciliation. However, Having experienced all that I have, I understand the importance of knowing where we come from, discovering our true identities and allowing our souls to truly heal. There's liberty in that. Well, I hope you are staying safe and warm. I love you. Love, Teresa. This will conclude my podcast on tonight. I do hope that y'all have a blessed and wonderful morning or evening whenever it is that you listen to the podcast. And y'all do me a huge favor. Please take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out your girl, Teresa. Bye.